Welcome back, folks. It's the Pound the Table podcast. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM. And we're just getting off of Monday Night Football here, where we've seen the Cowboys take it to the Philadelphia Eagles and record recording a pod here. And basically, we're just going to reflect on week three, uh, look ahead to week four, make some predictions. And we got some fun stuff at the end. Uh, I'm going to do start doing a new uh, segment each week where we kind of dive into something something creative where we're at in the offseason, whether it's a look ahead to the NFL draft, uh, look ahead to see who's got to hit the panic button here, uh, look ahead to division winners, anything like that. So something, we're going to get a little creative at the end here. But first, we're going to dive right into the storylines from this past weekend and recent news. So for a quick pit stop, uh, talking about the recent news, there was two big transactions that came over the wire here, and I wanted to make sure we hit on them. But the first is going to be the uh, Josh Gordon reinstatement and signing by the NFL. And Josh Gordon basically was reinstated in the same day he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. So the big thing is here is, I mean, I don't think Kansas City really believes in Miko Hardman, wide receiver number two. I put this out there on Twitter yesterday when I heard the news. And honestly, that's the biggest takeaway I have from this. Uh, he was a second-round draft pick. He was essentially drafted uh, just in case Tyreek Hill couldn't go for a suspension a few years back. And he just hasn't quite developed into like a second threat. He's more of like this gadget player that they can run on sweeps. Uh, he's a return guy. Uh, they can scheme him open on like some under routes and stuff, but he's not a true like number two option in that offense behind Tyree Kill as a receiver. Obviously, we know they got Kelsey and Hill, but when those two are covered, where are you going? And they don't have Sammy Watkins anymore. Uh, Byron Pringle hasn't been impressive. Demarcus Robinson is on one-year deals consistently just because they don't know what they're going to do with them exactly. But uh, that that was the biggest takeaway I got here. I think Josh Gordon still got some left in the tank, especially playing in that offense. Uh, it's going to be impressive, but what they can do with him. So that's the first big piece of news that came off of the weekend here. The second one was going to be the trade between the Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it was basically the Jaguars are sending out C.J. Henderson, and I believe it's a fifth-round pick in exchange for a third-round pick from the Carolina Panthers and Dan Arnold, the tight end. So the big thing is here is the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have a tight end on the roster that's even serviceable. So basically they get Dan Arnold back, who's pretty solid, pretty solid option, uh, decent red zone threat, uh, formerly of the Saints with the Carolina Panthers this year. So they get him back to help that room, especially after losing James O'Shaughnessy. But the bigger news here is going to be C.J. Henderson going back to the Carolina Panthers. Henderson was a former like top 10 pick, uh, great talent, and he's only in his second year, so it's not like the, the jury's out on this guy. Uh, I know a new regime here in Jacksonville basically kind of had the writing on the wall for him, but when we take a look at it, I think he's got a great opportunity, especially especially with J.C. Horn out, especially for a third-round pick and a, a top-ten talent just a year and a half ago. I think that's definitely a gamble you can take, and any other team really should have jumped on this, uh, but the Carolina Panthers are the lucky ones, so great move on their part. The first storyline that I was following this weekend that ended up being the most interesting one, in my opinion, and I might be biased just because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, but it's definitely got to be the, the Sunday night football story here where the Packers jump out to about a 17 to nothing lead. Uh, they're commanding the whole game pretty much. They're winning at halftime. 
And then uh, the, the 49ers slowly creep back in the second half. They, they ended up getting, I think it was like 14 to 17, and they ended up taking the lead with uh, 37 seconds left. And you could see the entire the entire momentum shift in the stadium. Everybody's, hey, if Niners got this, Niners got this. But any true Packers fan knows this has been, this is the script's been written before. Uh, Rodgers has been here a time or two at least. Uh, you know, flashback to Detroit with the Hail Mary, Arizona at the Hail Mary, Dallas with a 30-some or minute left or so, one timeout. Except this time he's got 37 seconds, no timeouts. Drives half the field, sets up a field goal by Mason Crosby, nails it, the game winner. And honestly, it was it was, it was was a heavyweight, you know, blow-for-blow blow game here where, you know, two teams that are expected to do great things this year that have great rosters going at it. And honestly, I thought it was, it was pretty well matched up. I know... Uh, San Francisco's got that elite front seven, and uh, Packers were kind of banged up on their offensive line. Uh, but at the same time, the 49ers give up quite a bit of rushing yards, and honestly, it wasn't even the rushing game that really hurt them. It was more so the the, the corners that they had on the backside with Josh Norman getting banged up. And uh, was it? I believe it's Emmanuel Mosley. It's his first game back, and a little shook up. But Devontae Adams looked like he was worth every single penny that he's asking for this offseason. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But really, it's just... It's the Aaron Rodgers story here. This guy, you can tell me all you want that he doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to play for the Packers. Watch that reaction on the sideline. That is genuine enthusiasm. That guy loves being a Green Bay Packer, and he loves winning. So that's what he's going to keep doing. You're going to see more of that. That's why I was all in on this spite season, that he's going to come out guns blazing. And honestly, they didn't come out guns blazing against New Orleans, but this last two weeks, they're one of the more impressive teams in the NFL. So that's my number one storyline. It was a classic, like I said, heavyweight blow-for-blow game and definitely lived up to the hype, the Sunday night hype. Moving right along to our second takeaway here, and really this isn't for the entire game, it's just for part of it, but Ravens, Lions at Ford Field, and man, what (laughs) Justin Tucker is, he can't be human, right? Uh, This guy nailing a 66-yard game winner. Uh, I've never heard of that before in my life. Uh, obviously nobody has because it's an NFL record. So this is the kind of stuff you see a guy just like warming up before the game, like telling coach, hey, check out what I can do. Let me have a shot. And they never do let him have a shot, except this time they walked him out there. So basically Detroit's got the, the, the lead, about a minute 40 left. Turns the ball over to Lamar after the kickoff. And Lamar gets in fourth and 19, has just an absolute dime of a pass. Sammy Watkins sets up the field goal. And, I mean, if you do the math, they're probably on their own 44-yard line still. So they're still on their own own side of the field. And uh, they trot uh, Justin Tucker out there to see what he can do. And the dude does it, nails it, sends it through the uprights. Well, I shouldn't say sends it through the uprights. He hits a crossbar then sends it through the uprights. And, honestly, if you're watching it, the, the replay are live, I thought it looked like it bounced back out to the field, but somehow it bounces into the net. It's good, and the guy's got the NFL record on a, a clutch game winner. So the Ravens find a way, and honestly, I'm I'm more impressed by the Detroit Lions in this and that how scrappy they are. I mean, this is a team that years past would have just folded, laid down, lost by 20. But uh, they, they grinded it out. They, they tried their best. I mean, they're a ground-and-pound team. They want to be physical. They want to be in every game, and so far they've done that under Dan Campbell. So... I've been impressive, or it's been, I've been impressed. So my next takeaway, my third takeaway is going to be uh, the Rams versus Bucks game. And 
man, the Rams, the Rams are for real. Uh, honestly, I thought that they were going to be like a second or third playoff or wild card team. And they've been even more than that. They've been impressive. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a bona fide MVP candidate. He uh, threw it through for, I believe, four, four touchdowns. I'm going to double check that quick. I got the stats in front of me here. But yeah, four touchdowns in this game. And uh, really, it was it was pretty evenly matched. I think the Buccaneers actually outgained the the Rams, but they had, they had an additional fumble. So they lose a turnover battle there that gives them the ball. And even like time of possession was even. But just the entire element that Matt Stafford adds to this, this Los Angeles Rams offense, uh, I think he's better at pushing the ball down the field than Jared Goff was. But at the same time, you're still getting all the same scheme stuff from McVay that McGough was getting, but now you just have more arm talent, more ability to push it down the field, more ability to progress through your reads. It's not so much just a one, two, all right, salvage to play. So I think it's going to be exciting to see what they can do, especially when they get Daryl Henderson back, uh, just because Sony Michelle is a shell of his own self. And they have, a, they have a ton of weapons. Cooper Cup looks like an elite receiver now. And not even to mention that defense. That defense is extremely talented, even without Staley. Uh, they they don't give up big plays. Um, Jalen Ramsey's all over the place. Aaron Donald soaking up three blocks and still getting through there. It's 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 quite the sight to behold. Los Angeles fans should be should be uh, pretty excited between the the Chargers and the Rams here. So then on the other side of the ball here, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be all right. They're they're by no means should freak out here. Um, they're still, like I said, they're moving the ball at will. They have a ton of weapons. Antonio Brown actually missed this one. So they're going to get a guy back there. But I think like uh, they lost Scotty Miller in this one. So you trade one for one. But I, I'd take Antonio Brown, the football player, in that situation. Uh, I, I'm more concerned about their defense. Uh, it hasn't quite been lived up to the hype that they had last year or coming into this year. Um, I think on the back end, their coverage hasn't been as great as they they were hoping. But... Nonetheless, they're going to be, continue to be a contender. They're going to stick in there. As long as you've got TB12 in the building, you're always going to be a threat. And I don't really see anybody in the South as a, a true contender just yet, even though the Panthers are undefeated. Uh, but we can always get to that in the future. Uh, I think the Buccaneers have nothing to worry about. It was just a it's a tough game, tough primetime game. I, I see them bouncing back next week. The fourth storyline from the weekend here that I wanted to make sure I hit on is going to be the story of the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders. And this one continues to baffle me. I thought that they were going to be a cellar-dweller team. And I'll eat my words on this one. I did not think that they'd even come out of the gates as hot. But this offense is extremely good. This offense is very legit. Uh, You're talking about an offense that can consistently put up 500 yards. And Derek Carr is playing out of his gourd. I know he uh, threw a pick early in this one. But he comes back and extremely efficient down the excuse me down the rest of the game. Three hundred eighty six yards, two TDs, one interception. And I mentioned it uh, on last week's pod, or not, I mentioned it last week with last week's pod when I posted a clip online. This guy is going to be an MVP frontrunner if Las Vegas Raiders keep winning games. They are winning games because he is an efficient quarterback and he's running this offense extremely well. So. Like I said, if they end up going 12 and 5, 11 and 6, he's going to be an MVP front runner. I don't know how else you would give it to anybody else cuz this roster is not good. You got guys that are first round picks just not even playing and he's still somehow winning football games. Uh the emergence of Henry Ruggs also impressive. Uh 
they're losing Josh Jacobs, not even playing. You know, who cares? We got Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake. So <laughs> Peyton Barber re- reviving his career here in <laughs> Las Vegas, of all places. But, hey, crazier things have happened. Brian Edwards looking like he was worth a second-round pick that he was uh, put to him last year. He's finally getting over some of those injury ro- excuse me, woes. And uh, Hunter Renfro looking like a very reliable safety valve out of the slot. Like, you know, very... Um, Cole Beasley, uh, Wes Welker, sorry, I was thinking there, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman-like, I know those are all white guys, but uh, Jameson Crowder-like, there we go, there's another guy, so uh, very reliable slot option there, and I, I mean, you keep throwing up points like this, you keep winning games, you keep finding ways to win games instead of finding ways to lose games, Oakland, excuse me, not Oakland, Las Vegas is going to be a force to be reckoned with here, and really like uh their prospects especially it's like a wild card in the AFC playoff picture. So moving right along to our last uh storyline from the weekend and it's going to be the Chargers versus the Chiefs and what was impressive is the Chargers are for real man. Uh Justin Herbert, I thought we might see some regression from him this year. We're not going to. This is a guy that's here and he's going to be here for a long time. He's very good at football. And he's definitely showing it. And what I was most impressed with, especially through like three quarters of this game and uh, getting the, the the game ceiling interception at the end, was this San Diego defense is awesome. They're fast. They keep stuff in front of them. Staley kind of brings that same philosophy he used in uh, with the Los Angeles Rams over to the Chargers here. And they're going to be scary. They're, they're a great football team. They're fast on defense. They got a quarterback that protects the ball and pushes it down the field on offense. Uh, Eckler is a weapon in the run game and the pass game. They got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, Jared Cook, this Jalen Guyton, a lot of guys on offense that are fairly good to help support Justin Herbert and his development here. So I, I really like their prospects right now, especially with them beating, you know, the the former champs, the former AFC uh, winners is from this past year. I think that's huge for them. So, forced to be reckoned with, Justin Herbert staying on the scene. So, before we move into our picks for week four, we got to make sure we name our Jameis Winston unlikely hero of the week. And I'm not going to say that this guy was unlikely for who he is uh, and what position he plays, but it's more so unlikely for the fact that what he did and basically saying that I think kind of spills it out especially with our with our storylines we had but it's gonna go to Justin Tucker man like if you line up and kick a 66 yard field goal there's there's literally nobody else in the world that can do this especially being that accurate making it happen for a game winner in that situation how clutch that moment was it was just unreal it's it's something that we haven't seen ever and we might not see for a long time again uh it's just extremely impressive. I, I'm lost for words every time I think about it. This guy kicked it from his side of the field through the uprights, off the crossbar, barely through, and like won the game for these guys when they needed it most. Uh, they were down by two, and they get this. They get the win. They get the win in extraordinary fashion. Excuse me, down by one, but nonetheless, it's going to Justin Tucker, our Jameis Winston, unlikely hero of the week. So heading right into week four picks, this is honestly my favorite part of each week, 
uh, just because of uh, how well we've been doing with this. And we've got back-to-back weeks where we're 13-3 and three picking games. So if you were just to, and I'm not saying that this is any gambling advice here, but if you were to just do the money line on these, man, you'd be disappearing pretty well because that's what I've been doing. I've been t- taking some of my favorite safest picks and making a bold parlay. So two different ones each week, and we're making money on this. So... Uh, like I said, not gambling advice, but we're doing really well with our picks. So we're going to keep rolling with it. So the first game of the week is going to be the Jaguars at the Bengals. And honestly, the Bengals are going to be really sneaky here. Uh, they've been, they're 2-1 and one at the moment. Jaguars are 0-3. Jaguars are looking like a dumpster fire. Uh, they lost by 12 points, and one of their scores came on a missed field goal. That was a questionable choice by Cliff Kingsbury. So... In this game, I'm going to roll with the Bengals. They actually protected Joe Burrow fairly well last year, or last year, last week. And uh, I'm curious to see. I, I didn't really watch the game. I just checked it out afterwards and ch- watched the stats. I had a couple other ones on at the moment. But I'm curious to see how much of the if the of the empty that they're still running, if they're choosing to protect him other ways, or maybe adding like a tight end or back to the mix to help keep the pass rush off of him. But we're going to go with the Bengals at home there. And then next up is going to be the Titans at the Jets. And the Jets look just as bad as the Jaguars, if not worse. They get shut out last week against the Broncos. And the Titans are coming off a couple of impressive wins after losing to the Cardinals in week one. So I'm going to roll with the Titans on the road at the Jets. Uh, I think they win pretty handily there as well. Uh, Jets just have a lot of stuff to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. Then the next game is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs at the Philadelphia Eagles. And... You can almost copy and paste what we said for the other teams for the Eagles. They looked impressive week one against the Falcons, who really didn't look that impressive at all this year yet. And the Chiefs are one and two. They're going to be hungry for a win here. I can't see them falling to one and three because then it'd be time to hit the panic button. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs here over the Eagles at Philly. I uh, just think it's it's going to be tough for Patrick Mahomes to lose a couple in a row here. The next game on the dock, it's actually a pretty interesting one here. It's going to be the Panthers at the Cowboys. And honestly, I've said this before, I'm impressed with the Cowboys this year. That offense, we all knew it was going to be great. It's going to be a top five, top ten offense in the league. Uh, The defense looks serviceable this year. It's not quite as bad as it was last year, but it doesn't get much worse than what it was last year. And the Panthers are honestly one of the more feel-good stories of the year here. They're at the top of the NFC South right now. And looking great. That defense is playing fast. Um, Sam Darnold's taking care of the ball for the most part. And they got a lot of weapons on offense. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys here just because uh, I think that their offense is going to expose the Panthers' defense a little bit. And they're going to get out front. And it's going to be tough for Darnold to play from behind. I don't know if he's he's had to do that a lot necessarily this year. So I'm going the Cowboys at home. The next game is going to be the Giants at the Saints. And the Giants are real in big time. Uh, they lose a pretty bad game to the Atlanta Falcons. If if they were looking to get on the board for the win column, it was going to be last week. I didn't see it happening, and it didn't happen. So I'm rolling with the Saints here. As long as Jameis Winston takes care of the ball, this, this Giants team can't score to keep up with them. And the Saints defense, honestly, is one of the more underrated aspects of this team. It's It's been impressive for the, through the first few weeks. Uh, they really blanketed New England last week, especially against the rookie quarterback. And I was, I was, I thought that was going to be a better game than what it was. So I'm rolling with the Saints at home over the Giants. The next game on the docket here is going to be the Cleveland Browns at the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings got a big win at home against the Seattle Sea, or excuse me, the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, and they get 
the Cleveland Browns back at their place again as well here. So I think this will be a pretty solid matchup. It's it's not as much defense as you think it's going to be. And honestly, I think it's going to be tough for the Vikings to, to stop the Cleveland Browns offense. That rushing attack is impressive with Chubb and Hunt. Hunt had a huge game last week. And when you look at the other side of the ball, I just think Cleveland's defense is more impressive than the, the Vikings. So that's what's going to lean me here. I'm going to go with the Browns on the road at the Vikings. Like I said, I think Miles Garrett's going to get after Kirk Cousins. That offensive line isn't that impressive. Uh, they're able to move the ball in chunks, especially to Jefferson and Thielen. But I think that their secondary is a little bit better, and they're going to be able to, to slow them down just enough that Cleveland's going to get the win on the road. And then the next game here, it's going to be the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. And, man, you can't get a much worse game for a, a noon game for these two teams. Uh, the NFC North isn't looking as strong as it has in the past, but I think I'm going to go with the Lions here. They have been an extremely scrappy team this year. They they hung in it, in, excuse me, hung in there with pretty much every single game this year, and they damn near squeaked out a win last week. So I'm rolling with the Detroit Lions over the Chicago Bears on the road. Uh, they're not sure who's starting that quarterback for Chicago, whether it's Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles doesn't matter because they aren't able to protect anybody right now, whoever's playing under center. Uh, Justin Fields gets sacked nine times and has one net passing yard for on the day, so that's pretty embarrassing. They need to find a way to keep him upright. But nonetheless, Detroit Lions over the Bears at Chicago. The next game is going to be the Houston Texans at the Buffalo Bills, and I believe Tyrod Taylor is on the IR, so... That's going to just outline basically where I'm going with this right now because you get rookie Davis Mills under center again. And he wasn't great, wasn't bad, but, I mean, if you're just middling and average to below average quarterback play there, you're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills. It seems like they've kind of gotten their stuff together, especially last week with all the points they put up. And Josh Allen's finally getting rolling here. So I'm going Buffalo Bills. They're going to get after Davis Mills. It's going to be – it might be a bloodbath. So I'm going Buffalo Bills at home. Then the next game is going to be the Indianapolis Colts at the Miami Dolphins. And this is an extremely pivotal game here. Uh, if the Colts go down 0-4, they might as well just kiss the playoffs goodbye almost. It's almost like a very difficult chance, especially if Tennessee gets the win like we're predicting. And Miami, they got to keep their foot on the gas. They got to keep pace in the AFC here. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looked pretty decent. They almost put a win on the, the Las Vegas Raiders, but they couldn't quite squeak it out. And honestly, if, if Carson Wentz is as hurt as it sounds like he is with the two sprained ankles, it's going to be like almost like a baby deer out there walking around. So I'm I'm rolling with the Miami Dolphins at home here. I think they're going to get an edge up on the Colts. The Colts are going to fall to 0-4 and it's going to get very dark. It's going to get very grim for them as they keep moving forward. The next game is going to be the Washington football team at the Atlanta Falcons. And Neither of these teams looked very good this past week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills took it to the Washington football team. Atlanta Falcons squeaked out a win over a terrible New York Giants team. And Heineke looks serviceable, and I like this defense a lot more than Atlanta's. Atlanta might have the worst defense in the league. So that's going to excuse me, keep me from picking them here. I'm going with Washington on the road at Atlanta. I think the the legend of Taylor Heineke is going to live on here, and they're going to try to keep peace. Excuse me, keep pace in the NFC East. The next game on the docket here is going to be the Seahawks at the Forty ers 
And the Seahawks, it, it's never been an issue of them putting points up, especially with Russell Wilson under center. But I think that defense is going to have some serious woes. Uh, I seen a stat on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me who said it, but uh, basically the Seattle is showing the same defense. Oh my God, excuse me. It was Eric Eager of PFF. And uh, Seattle is leading the NFL by doing this over 92% of their defensive snaps. And it's basically they show the same coverage pre-snap and play the same coverage post-snap. So that's basically just telegraphing to your quarterback, hey, we're showing cover two, we're playing cover two. They know exactly where to go with the ball. They got 45 seconds to set it up, or excuse me, 25 seconds in the play clock to set it up and figure out who they want to go to. So that's that's extremely, extremely tough to, to deal with. And you, you can bet Kyle Shanahan's going to figure out a way to beat that, especially their rushing defense has never been that impressive, and I think they're going to get after them because we, we know Kyle Shanahan knows how to run the ball. So I'm going 49ers at home. Next game is going to be the battle of the undefeateds here that nobody probably predicted, and it's going to be Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. And Cardinals are kind of the team that nobody thought would be here right now. They're undefeated. They're playing well. They're playing great on offense. Their defense is pretty stout here. they got a lot of guys in that front. They're kind of keeping the pressure off the secondary, and the Rams just look like an absolute juggernaut after coming off a win against the Buccaneers last week. And there's just really both sides of the ball, nothing that they can do that's that wrong. So I'm going to go against the grain here. I like, I think that this could be a little bit of a track game, trap game for the Rams. I think they're going to get a little bit too high on their horse here. And basically what's going to happen is that the Cardinals are going to cut them down a little bit. I'm going to pick the Cardinals on the road at the Los Angeles Rams. And really, I, I think that this is going to be a big game for Kyler Murray. It's it's difficult to keep him under wraps, especially with only one pass rusher. You know that pass rusher is Aaron Donald, so it, maybe it's a little bit easier. But Kyler Murray's a next-level athlete, and he's got a ton of weapons to throw to on that offense. They don't even need to run the ball. And that defense, I think, is better than people give him credit for. I think that they're going to be able to get after Matt Stafford. They have multiple options in that front to rush a passer. So I'm going with the Cardinals on the road at the Rams. The next afternoon game is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. And after having a rocky first week, the Green Bay Packers are absolutely rolling. And the Steelers, you look at it, are the complete opposite. Had a great first week, and they've looked terrible the last couple. Um, they can't throw the ball. Big Ben looks like a shell of his former self. Najee Harris is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage more than anybody else in the entire league per PFF. And he's getting 19 targets in the passing game as a running back, which is crazy to me. So I'm rolling with the Packers here. I just think that they're going to put up way too many points, and there's no way Pittsburgh can match them. Rolling right into the next game here, it's going to be the Ravens at the Broncos. And this is low-key a pretty interesting game. Uh, Lamar Jackson against an undefeated Broncos team. And they had a real tough show in the last couple weeks for the Ravens. They squeaked out a couple big wins. And honestly, I thought... I like their team. I like their chances. I actually picked them to win the AFC North this year. They're just not going to win the North this week. I'm going with the Denver Broncos in this game. That defense is one of the best, if not the best, in the league. And when you have Teddy Bridgewater managing that offense, not turning the ball over, it's going to lead to some great things. It's it's going to lead to some big dubs. And this is going to be one of the big wins for them this year, getting over the the Ravens and keeping first place, keeping pace in the NFC or excuse me AFC West. And then the game that everybody's going to be watching, 
because Tom Brady is 68 yards shy of the all-time NFL passing yardage record, the Buccaneers at the New England Patriots, and I think we might have been a little bit wrong on the New England Patriots. Not necessarily that defense. The defense is elite. They do not give up a lot of points, and not points don't come easy. I think that this offense is not good, especially with a rookie quarterback under this under center. And I think it's a good lesson for everybody this year is don't expect a lot out of rookie quarterbacks. So I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom's going to get the win going back to his former home. The last game on the slate here for week four is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. And honestly, this game was not expected to be what it is currently in the preseason. But right now, it's going to be a pretty heavyweight showdown, especially on a Monday night. And the Raiders have a huge just juggernaut of an offense going against that Chargers defense that's playing a little bit better than expected. It was always expected they were going to be above average, but I think after watching that Kansas City game, they're they're a pretty great defense, especially forcing turnovers against Mahomes. And really the, the tail of the tape here is going to be that Vegas defense, which is almost non-existent against that Chargers offense, which can sputter at times. Even though Herbert's been doing a good job uh, taking care of the ball, pushing it down the field, getting it to his guys. I just wasn't impressed by how many points or how how difficult it was to score points through about like three quarters last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But nonetheless, they got the work done. And honestly, in this game, I'm going to go with the upset pick here. I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders over the Los Angeles Chargers. I think this is going to be a coming out party. Uh, Gruden's going to do great on his going on Monday Night Football, his former gig. And I think it's going to be, hey, look at us now. Look at us now, national media. We're going to get after it. I'm... I'm, this is the week I'm hitching my way into the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to win big games. Derek Carr is going to burst onto the scene here, and he's going to really show that he's a true MVP candidate in everybody's eyes. So Las Vegas Raiders over the Kansas City Chargers. Excuse me. Las Vegas Raiders over the Los Angeles Chargers. So the next segment here is going to be our panic button segment. We're going to pick five teams that, as it is, stands through three weeks, should be looking to press the panic button. And the first team that's going to be on our list here is going to be the Miami Dolphins. And the main reason I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins is you take a look at their stats through three weeks, and they're currently ranking 29th in yards gained for offense and 25th for yards allowed on defense and 30th for points scored on offense and 23rd for points allowed on defense. Now, their defense is 7th in turnovers, which is kind of what they've predicated themselves on but they're still 18th in turnovers on offense. So the the offense is not coming along as they expected when they made the offensive coordinator shift this offseason. And now you have your starting quarterback, first round quarterback 2 years ago in Tua now benched for a few seasons, for a few weeks with a rib injury and he hasn't even looked good through the first few weeks even when he has played. Jacoby Brissett's a replacement level backup kind of guy, but the rest of it is causing some serious alarm in that uh, Miami Dolphins organization. So I think that they're a perfect candidate to be hitting the panic button because, in my opinion, they had some high expectations with everything they invested in capital and where they were thinking of going with that defense this year. So the next team that's going to be up with the panic button, it's we're getting pushed up against the wall here, is going to be same division. It's going to be the New England Patriots. It's another team that we had some seriously high expectations for this year. And honestly, the defense has lived up to the expectations. But when you look at what they spent this offseason – it was record-breaking money they doled out on both sides of the ball. And defensively, like I said, it's paid off. Fifth in yards and points allowed, plus seventh in turnovers created. When you look at the offense, they're 26 in scoring and 22 in yardage, or excuse me, yards. And that's 
that's extremely alarming, uh, especially for an offense that's looking to kind of just plot along. But I think the the Mac Jones experiment hasn't been quite as fruitful as they had hoped when they moved on from Cam Newton. I think they were expecting him to kind of manage the offense and be able to score more points and run the ball effectively. But when you look at their rushing yardage, they're still 24th in yards gained for rushing yardage. Uh, they do rank, uh, I believe it's 16th in rushing touchdowns, but that's that's not enough. It's it's only two touchdowns, especially through three weeks. It's not impressive. Uh, their scoring it has got to get better if they expect to turn this around. Uh, same thing for the Dolphins. They'll have the opportunity to do so. I just don't think it looks as great for them down the road here. So they're going to be our number two team. Our number three team, and honestly, this is the one that I think has has the most uh, angst to go along with here, is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are currently 0-3. They have a tough matchup in week four. I see them going 0-4, and it doesn't really get much better. You hit that 0-4 uh, bump in the road, it's going to be hard to come back from that. They're 24th in scoring offense, 21st in yardage gain. And then they're 22nd in points allowed on defense at 18 yards allowed. They're fourth in turnovers on defense. But the main thing is here is they're not scoring points. And their quarterback situation looks bleaker and bleaker every day, especially with uh, giving up a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. Well, technically a conditional one if he's not playing. But it seems to me that he's kind of just hobbling along trying to, to play through the pain, and it's just not working out right now. Uh, their offense is pretty stagnant, other than maybe Jonathan Taylor on that that side of the ball. So I have some serious doubts about them trying to make the playoffs, and if they continue to keep playing Carson Wentz, they're going to lose that first-round pick, and they're going to be without uh, the basically the capital to help kind of improve this offense. So they're going to be our number three team. Our number four team, and it's going to be our final AFC team, is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, as previously mentioned, had a really impressive win in week one. But after that, it's been, it's been some tough sledding. Uh, they were without T.J. Watt this last week, and he's one of the best defensive players in the league when he's healthy. But currently he's not. And when you look at the offense side of the ball, it's – in my opinion, it should, they should have moved on from Ben Roethlisberger this offseason, but they gave him a cheap deal to come back, and he might be even worse this year. They're currently 28th in scoring offense, 25th in yards. Uh, they're 11th in turnovers. They don't really turn the ball over. They're just not getting anywhere when they're on the offensive side of the ball. And Najee Harris has almost nothing to work with, and they have these great receivers in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's a pretty solid core. They just can't find the way to get the ball to these guys, and I think that's on Big Ben. Uh, I think it's time that they move on from him. They should have done it last year. But I think I have some serious doubts on what they can do, especially in that AFC North division where they're going to get beat up by the Browns and the Ravens, and even the Bengals look better than them this year. So I think it's time to hit the panic button for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the last panic button team that we're ready to uh, officially announce here is going to be the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Chicago Bears had, I don't want to say high expectations, but they had some expectations, especially Matt Nagy being on the hot seat, uh, being the favorite for the first coach fired, and he's doing himself no favors. They're 31st in scoring offense, 32nd in, or excuse me, 32nd in yards allowed, and 
they can't quite seem to figure out the quarterback situation. They're almost damaging Justin Fields more than they're helping him at this moment. They're, they're throwing him out there to the Wolves. He's getting sacked nine times. He's getting beat up back there. That offensive line's atrocious, and they can't seem to get the ball out. It seems like they're not even designing plays for the guy. Like he, They're not utilizing his strengths. In my opinion, you just need to sit him down. You just need to put Foles out there, put Dalton out there, let him just battle it out, and... If they move on from Nagy, they move on from him. It honestly would be better for Justin Fields in the long run just because they're not doing him any favors right now. The defense is pretty solid. They're going to try to keep him in games with the defense, but at some point you need to put points up. And if you're not putting points up, that's a huge red flag in my book. In my opinion, I think Nagy and Pace got to go. I think they should have went last offseason, but for some reason they keep giving him chances, and I think it's about time that they move on from that. So they're going to be our fifth and final panic button team with the Chicago Bears. So let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if there's a team that you think needs to hit the panic button. Uh, obviously, we, we tried to avoid the, the obvious ones like the Jaguars and Jets because they're 0-3 and it ain't going upwards at anytime soon. But these five teams, I think, are genuinely, genuinely at that breaking point where like it could go either way and it's time to hit the panic button. You're in the wall, you're in the corner, someone's pressing against you, where are you going to go from here? So that's going to be it for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys got some great content here. Hopefully uh, you're capitalizing on some of our picks. We've been red hot lately. So I, I plan on throwing a couple parlays out there this weekend. I recommend you guys do too. So let us know what you thought, your thoughts are. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch up with us next week when we do the same. And I appreciate everybody's patience with us getting the episode out a little bit late this week. So make sure everybody has a great week, and we'll see you next week.